The subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional. No one can serve two masters. He will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you shall eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds in the sky. They do not sow or reap. They gather nothing into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are not you more important than they? Can any of you by worrying add a single moment to your lifespan? Why are you anxious about clothes? Learn from the way the wildflowers grow. They do not work or spin, but I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was clothed like one of them. If God so clothes the grass of the field, which grows today and is thrown into the oven tomorrow, will he not much more provide for you, O oh, you of little faith? So do not worry and say, What are we to eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what are we to wear? All these things the pagans seek. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be given you besides. Do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Sufficient for a day is its own evil. This is Radio Wave Medjinomics with your host, a friend of Medjugorje. We're coming into a new world. We know that. We know Our Lady's here for those purposes. But when we get a message like we did at the beginning of the year, January 2nd, 2018, when she says, when love is beginning to disappear on earth, we should be shaken by this. We did a program about this and a broadcast about this whole thought of Our Ladies and what that means, it is scary. And indeed, Our Lady said on December 25th, just before that, a few days, she says, do not be afraid. Why does she keep saying these kinds of things? I remember John Paul said, at the millennium, do not be afraid. What is it to be afraid of? We've spoken about the bamboo, which seeds itself, not all bamboo, but this one species, grows like 10 years underground, all its roots spread, and then when it comes out in one year, it grows 90 feet in one season. And what we see in the culture, we see in the world, is we've got so many seeds planted in evil 
that is really frightening to contemplate what's in front of us. If the United Nations right now planning to unveil its new promotion of global mass migration, and they say it's good for nations, it's good for everybody, it's good for those jobs who won't be filled by the nation's people that's there, that these migrants would take it. And they're not, not migrants. It's immigration. So what does it mean for the world? It means the same thing it did for Solomon, the wisest man in the world ever born outside of Jesus. What did he do? He started taking in the pagan wives. And what happened with them? They started taking on pagan practices. And the people who came in and followed that brought down his kingdom. These kinds of things are dangerous. And it comes from a socialist policy, really even from the church. We've got to take care of the migrants. We've got to do this. Yes, the scripture talks about taking care of the alien, but it's stupid to transfer that thinking that means that we're supposed to just open our borders and let anybody come in here and take the degraded in. You say, we're not supposed to do that? No, we're not supposed to. If you want your nation lifted up, you have to bring in people of merit. Because those people of merit will flourish, pull themselves out of poverty, and can help those who do not have the capability to take care of themselves. That's the church's responsibility. That's Christianity's responsibility, not the government. We got everything backwards. So here it is, the United Nations, planning for this global mass migration, saying that it's a good thing, when it's a lie. It's a bad thing. Why did God give to the Jewish people, the Jewish nation, a land that belonged to the Canaanites? He did that because they weren't worthy any longer of living on that land. They were so reprobated. They were so bad that God gave this land over to people who knew God. We came here to America, to this country, for the same purpose. And even the Indians would say, we don't know why, but their white man's God is more powerful than ours. They conveyed this. And many of them became Christians, and that's a good thing. We don't have to apologize because of what happens in the past. What we have to apologize is when we're Christian and we don't live our Christianity. We're called to live and to propagate and do what Jesus said when he ascended into heaven. Go out to the ends of the earth and witness. We're to spread Christianity, not apologize for it. Not sit there and keep going down to the lowest dredges of society and let them come in and put them on equal footing. You say, well, you couldn't say that. That's wrong. That's not. No, it's not wrong. How can you ever lift them up if you don't lift up general society? If the top comes up, the bottom comes up. This is the way it works. You make them change. You influence them. And you lift people out of the degradation they live in. But running from a nation of what they made it into or allowed it to come into, thinking we're going to take the lowest of their culture, how are we going to hold up to that? So that's one bamboo shooting out. And then you got England, which now has embraced secularism, actually have more people who are secularists and do not believe in God than people who believe in God. What's going to happen in England? There's reports of just drunkenness. When Christmas comes around, it's not Christmas time, it's a time of drunkenness. 
as many people seeing just in the gutter throwing up. So drunken that they don't even know where they are. The whole nation's turning into this. You say, well, you can't say this about England. Well, the facts are the facts. It's out there. Look at what they, their spiritual life is. And we have friends in England, and we know they're concerned. And there are reasons to be afraid. Then you got the whole upshot of recently the International Court ordered 16 countries to ignore the laws and to allow abominable civil perverted unions masked as marriage. Calling it marriage, which it can never be, because it can't be marriage. How do we get to a point where the International Court in Hague orders 16 nations, you are to ignore your constitution and you are to abide by this? Brazil's already changing. A lot of them are South American countries, Catholic countries, which means Catholicism is very weak because it's focused its main priorities on decades of liberation theology. And if you don't have liberation theology propagating, you have social justice propagating the same things similarly. And we've gone off onto a tangent in the Catholic Church of many things as way off base. And that's another big bamboo that's going to sprout. How do you fight that? And you got another bamboo shooting. There's a tidal wave of abominable candidates categorized on both men and women and everything they think they are in between are running for political office in the second year of Trump's presidency. There's so many out there. There's a tsunami. They have big wins already, even in Erie, Pennsylvania, a school board. You want this kind of person on a school board? What does that mean for it? Why are they gravitating toward this? But this isn't a little. They've never had this many people running for office. One place in Texas has 12 candidates running. Three are abominable. And it's across the whole nation. From winning and running for sheriff of the counties to the legislatures into the Senate. And they expect big wins in this next election. That's scary. That's something to be afraid of. Because we've got a culture being grown right now. And these bamboos and these sprouts that's growing underground that's just going to come out of nowhere. And we're going to be confronted with these things. Perhaps that's why Our Lady said January 2nd, when love, not perhaps, as Wiley said, when love is beginning to disappear on the earth, when the way of salvation is not being found, do you think these candidates, these abominables, these international courts, the United Nations, what's happened in England and other places around the world, do you think for one moment they won't start covering up the way of salvation and say you can't promote it. Already they're firing people in schools who are wanting to counsel some of these abominables. It's against the law in some states now. What is the purpose of that? How did this come to where it was? How has this sprouted this way? And you got the American Psychiatric Association re-categorizing and dropping abominable lifestyles, which was classed as mental derangement, they took it off the list. Before that, you had the Library of Congress being approached 
the whole libraries, not to refer to this as something that's criminal, the sin of sodomy. So they removed that. Those two things broke open a free reign for these things to grow in the ground and now they're sprouting out in a way that is scary. What kind of world are we going to deal with? He said, well, there's enough people around to fight this. Really? I read today is about the use, how they're being taught, why they're going to this, the bottoms are going to the school boards, the leftist ideas, the ideologies about migration. While this is happening, and they want us to cut migration. It's not migration. This is an invasion for the purpose of what happened in Solomon's kingdom. Over and over and over in the Bible, we see where the Canaanites or the lower cultured people in civility, because everybody's equal with the soul before God, but there are lower cultures that's uncivil. When they came into a nation, they didn't assimilate. They took over and brought it down. How do you get out that a nation that is languishing, that the same people languished, that habitated that, would come in the United States or any other nation without bringing it down? We're thinking stupid. We should be very strong for protection against this. And it should be merit-based. We want the best of other nations. Who helps other countries than more than any other country in the world, the United States of America. And Satan hates this country for that reason. So if it brings it down, then we got a whole world that will be swimming in hell. And that's where we're headed. The United States is really the last bastion that can reverse things. And good things are happening in that sense. But we got a mighty battle ahead of us because we have generations coming up right now that will be making decisions that don't think like you do. The name of this article is The Fragile Generation. Bad policy and paranoid parenting are making kids too safe to succeed. Now, this article is way too long to read the whole thing in, in its entirety, so I will just be taking certain points from it. When we raise kids unaccustomed to facing anything on their own, including risk, failure, and hurt feelings, our society and even our economy are threatened. How did we come to think a generation of kids can't handle the basic challenges of growing up? Beginning in the 1980s, American childhood changed. Children largely lost the experience of having large swaths of unsupervised time to play, explore, and resolve conflicts on their own. This has left them more fragile, more easily offended, and more reliant on others. They have been taught to seek authority figures to solve their problems and shield them from discomfort. This poses a threat to the kind of open-mindedness and flexibility young people need to thrive. If they arrive at school or start careers unaccustomed to frustration and misunderstandings, we can expect them to be hypersensitive. And if they don't develop the resources to work through obstacles, molehills come to look like mountains. By trying so hard to protect our kids, we're making them too safe to succeed. If you're over 40, chances are good that you had scads of free time as a child. 
after school, on weekends, over the summer. And chances are also good that if you were asked about it now, you'd go on and on about playing in the woods and riding your bike until the streetlights came on. Today, many kids are raised like veal. Kids learn by doing. Trip over a tree stump and you learn to look down. There's an old saying, prepare your child for the path, not the path for your child. We're doing the opposites. Play is training for adulthood. Not letting your child climb a tree because he might fall robs him of a classic childhood experience. But being emotionally overprotective takes away something else. We have raised a generation of young people who have not been given the opportunity to experience failure and realize they can survive it. We have stolen from children the best resilience training known to man, free play. Free play is the means by which children learn to make friends, overcome their fears, solve their own problems, and generally take control of their own lives. Nothing we do, no amount of toys we buy, or quality time, or special training we give our children can compensate for the freedom we take away. The things that children learn through their own initiatives in free play cannot be taught in other ways. Unstructured, unsupervised time for play is one of the most important things we have to give back to kids if we want them to be strong and happy and resilient. What was just read, we and our children, we took the nativity. We always keep up the platform in the field, and we have pine trees that go up maybe 15 feet in the air, 12 feet in the air, and the kids get to play on it. And it's dangerous, and they always get hurt on it. And one of the kids were running around yesterday with their feet off. Now, I'm talking about freezing below 30 degrees, running around barefooted. We don't restrict that. We don't stop that. Why? Because God put in their feet these things called nerves. And these nerves, when they get injured, make them hurt. Maybe make them cry. But they learn how to deal with getting hurt. They learn how to be tough. They're going up these pine trees, and they get on the end of it. One of the kids was bounced up and down. I said, be careful, that's going to break. And sure enough, it broke. I didn't tell him to get down. I just said, hey, this is what's going to happen. And so that is what we have over and over and over. We have our children in situations that is dangerous to a lot of parents. Like, let's go send them to the hospital. And you know what happens to our kids? They don't go to the hospital because they got minor injuries, which led them to take on protection against bigger injuries. They know how to deal with stuff. They poke sticks into their feet and they play and they have fun. And the more courage it takes to do what they do, the more fun they have. Our kids are free reigned, free play. They do it all day from morning to dark. The biggest complaint they can have in this community is if they're sick and they can't go up across the street or they can't go outside and play with the kids. Their day is filled with joy, injuries, hurts, cuts, stitches, happiness, fun, and broken bones, 
but we don't protect from that. Yes, we're not going to sit there and put them on something completely reckless, but our kids have agility simply because they're able to do things most parents would never let their kids do. It's amusing when somebody comes out here with a two-year-old, a three-year-old, and they're walking in the middle of a 20-acre field, and they're walking by them. What are you doing? Where are they going to go? Let them go over there by the flagpole. Let them all go 50 feet away. Kids never had that freedom without somebody hoovering over them, especially a hoover mom, or what we call helicopter moms, watching every little thing. Kids don't even walk to school anymore. 13% of the kids in the nation only are able to walk to school today. And when they're at the school bus, parents are hoovering over them. You say, well, it's dangerous. Well, that's part of the culture you've built by doing these things. In some ways, you don't teach kids to be astute, watchful, and smart. And of course, this is the result of a feminized society. There's no manliness can be practiced. And even bullying. Am I advocating bullying? No, bullying, this whole concept came up 10 years ago. James Dobson exposed it. That this was all put out by the Bonnables to give them the disguise to hide behind something where we don't want people bullying on schools. Bullies usually got their due coming to them when I was a kid. There were bullies. That teaches you adversity. And don't think I'm advocating that. What I'm saying is, is we have such a tender flake, snowflake is what they call them now, that they melt. And these people will be making decisions because as they grow into teenage years into the young adults into middle age, what are they going to be deciding for you? It's not going to be nice. And actually, it'll be brutal. You think, well, if they think that way, they're not going to be that way. Yes, they will because they're self-centered. Nobody hurt. You can't speak out. You can't give the Bible because the Bible hurts people's feelings. Romans 1, the behavior is condemned, actually. Plain and simple. And so our lady talks about this salvation is not being found. I am longing for your mutual love, goodness, and purity. There's no purity anymore. There's no discussion of purity. A few days before that, our lady says, I pray for the Holy Spirit to give you, this is December 25th, the message I just spoke of was January 2nd, a few days later. Do not be afraid. Pray for the Holy Spirit to give you the strength to be joyful witnesses and people of peace and hope. Why? Because we're to attract people. But how are we going to change people who've been grounded? They don't know how to play. They never was allowed to climb a tree because they might get hurt. And that translates into everything. We talked about it before. Chick-fil-A labels these people, profiles them, if you want to say that way, that many people are untrainable. The youth that they're hiring, they can't change them. They can't form them. They can't train them no matter what they do. And so they don't even hire them. Now, hiring these people, what are they going to be doing? Well, they'll be forced to give jobs and the buddies of them that's in the position to do that because they don't want to hurt anybody because they're are not up to par. But we've got to take people where they are and just give them jobs and positions. It's a degradation of the whole culture. We don't even see this. Kids are raised like veal, this writing said. What is veal? Veal is a calf that's killed. It's only been on milk because the meat stays tender. And this is what the kids are. They're like veal. They don't have any stamina. They don't have anything to stand up. And the real bullies are the bonobos. This is the bully today. 
You're going to do this. You're going to make this cake for us. You're going to not sit there and turn against us and have your religion overtake our belief that we're allowed to desecrate marriage. These things are real. And the Supreme Court just ruled and debated. It was amazing debates about can a baker deny a bondable couple the cake that they want? It's his business. It's his job. It's his cake he's making. If they don't want to sell it to somebody for what they represent, they've got the right to do that. And some semi-conservatives on the Supreme Court was actually just debating, well, does the, do they have the right to do that? Where's our logic? See, we're already messed up in the adults. You got one guy on the Supreme Court, Justice Clarence Thomas, who's black. And you know what he says? The US Supreme Court justice says, Daily Mass helps me do my job the right way. This guy's been persecuted. His background is not a snowflake. Thomas says that his father left the family when he was two. His mother struggled to make the ends meet. They lost a house in a fire. And it led to Thomas's grandfather, who's illiterate, to help raise seven children. The grandparents sent the grandson to the all-black Catholic school, ran by white nuns, where Thomas learned about the Catholic faith. His illiterate grandfather taught Thomas the values of humility, patience, and persistence. And you know what his enemies call on the Supreme Court? Other blacks, the liberals, the bottomless, a clown in a black face sitting on the Supreme Court. Thomas says faith gives him the strength to do what he has to do every day to assert the independence and to be willing to take beatings, the criticism, and the unfairness. He says he's always lynched, just like they used to do. But compare is not because why they were lynching before, but because who he is and what he stands for. We're coming to a clash. We're coming to a value system that has no values, but they claim what they believe in is values, and our values are not. And you think a lady's here not for a reason when she says, do not be afraid? We are being a people raised up that's not going to have a rosy future. It's going to come more with these sprouts of bamboo shoots out over us and overwhelm us. Thank God for the secrets to interrupt this somehow because it's got to be something that shakes the world in a profound way. So this call comes to the conclusion, you need to be changing the direction of your life. You need to change it now. You can't wait later. You have to be thinking. You have to be reflecting. Going back to England is the answer of what our lady's here for. It talks about, in a writing by the Jewish World Review, saying that during the Welsh revival, and at least during two decades afterwards, drunkenness was cut in half. The movement went like a tidal wave over rails. In five months, there being hundreds of thousands of people converted throughout the country. And so this is a solution. Revival. That's what our lady is here for. The only thing that's going to change our situation is what our lady has given us. Every day we see things coming out of the church that's not good. And yet we have to remain loyal to it because it's our lifeblood. Our lady's told us that, the Eucharist, the Holy Mass. 
At the same time, we don't have to be naive and put our head in the sand like an ostrich. Because the church was what it was supposed to be in its conviction. The world wouldn't be what it is in its conviction. We're not convicting. And that's why he's raising up a body of people as apostles to convict. Not to be silent. Not to say, oh, I'm going to get my little holy corner. I'm going to put my head in that and just look there. Yeah, Lady said, find your prayer corner. But that prayer corner is supposed to result in action. She said, I want your works. Faith is displayed by works. It's time that we become more active for 2018. We have to look out with a more progressive position. Not progressive, but aggressive. We're not to tolerate. We're to confront. First with our life, and when people see the way we live, which is what Elias said in the December 25th message, pray for the Holy Spirit to give you the strength to be joyful witnesses and people of peace and hope. When they see you're a people of peace and hope and they have no peace, they have no hope, then you can tell them you're living the wrong way. This is going to be degradation, ends up no good. And so we leave you with these things. And these thoughts that your roadmap is the message. Make a commitment today and every day to go into the messages, open up words from heaven, pick out your message, go online and pick a random message and live by that. If you're not acting on this, you will regret it. Because we've read enough about the youth that don't even, aren't even allowed to hurt, be hurt. So today's broadcast is a collection of thoughts to provoke you, to convict you, to start thinking about all topics, all subjects. We're about to be assailed by a forest of bamboo. Have you ever been in a bamboo patch? I have. It grows so thick you can't even get through it. They grow like six inches apart. It's like being in jail. It's coming. It's there. Do your own research. Contemplate these thoughts. Realize what you need to do and the moves you need to make today. We wish you our lady. We love you. Goodbye. The subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional. This ends the Metronomic Show with a friend of Metrigoria. To order this show on CD, you can contact Caritas in the U.S. at 205-672-2000. Again, 205-672-2000.